Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. Welcome to the Vegas Gang podcast for September 8th, 2011. The Vegas Gang is a roundtable discussion show for issues related to casinos in Las Vegas, Macau, and the rest of the world. This is the smartest podcast on the entire internet. Uh, let me go around the virtual table and introduce the guys. We have Mr. Jeff Simpson, author of the always insightful Simpson on Vegas column on Two Way Hard Three. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks, Hunter. Dr. Charles S. Monster Esquire, Editor-in-Chief at VegasShipping.com. What's happening, Chuck? I'm not a doctor. I'm a bricklayer. <laughs> Damn it, Jim. <laughs> um, the real doctor, Dr. Dave Schwartz, uh, the director of UNLV's Center for Gaming Research. Hey, Dave. I'm actually not a doctor either. I'm an escalator. <laughs> um, my name's Hunter Hillegas. I'm also not a doctor, and uh, I run notadoctor.com. Um, We're going to start off with some announcements, or actually an announcement, which is a reminder about the um, Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic on October 22nd. We have actually, since our last show, we announced our uh, venue, which uh, we will be hosted by the fine folks at Planet Hollywood up on the second level Mez area, um, sort of near the nightclub. Uh, we're going to be taking over a, a bunch of space there. We're going to have our own little bartender guy. We can uh, flick spit wads at people on the casino floor. Um, it's going to be great. We're got a, we've got a whole um, set of stuff planned, including uh, a live version of this show with a guest that we will be announcing any moment now. Um, <laughs> the guest the guest is so good, they were reluctant to give him to us, but we think we've got that worked out. We think we got that worked out. So. That will be um, that will be announced soon, and yeah, you know, um, we hope you guys can come the twenty second at uh, at Planet Hollywood. There's information on the web at um, VegasInternetMafia.com. We'll also link to it in the show notes. There are going to be some special deals on room rates, and we actually have the um, we have the prices, but we don't have the links yet, so you can't actually book them. Um, they told us it was okay to talk about the prices, but I don't remember off the top of my head what they were. Uh, I think it was basically some special pricing at Bally's, Paris, or Planet Hollywood. Um, Chuck, remind me if I'm wrong about that. I will remind you. Okay. Uh, basically what, uh, what they've told us, and this is borne out in the evidence, is that this month, October, is very, very booked up. And there's lots of stuff happening in town, and the prices are generally kind of higher, but they're still giving us below market rates at those three properties. Right. So, but the rates the rates are already locked for us. We're just waiting to get the the physical, you know, internet stuff done. So yeah. That should be shortly. So, yeah, we'll definitely make those available to you as soon as we have them. And yeah, October is looking to be, um, you know, October is always busy with convention stuff, and this one's no exception. It, there's some of the rates; some of these properties are pretty darn high. So it'll be nice to get a couple bucks off. And we thank the good folks at Caesars Entertainment for, um, you know, letting us play in their sandbox. Um, all right, let's get started. Let's talk about the plaza first, and this is sort of a multi-layered. Um, story, I think what we'll do is uh, both Chuck and I stayed there during their soft opening periods. So I think what we'll do is 
start with Chuck, and he can talk about he wrote a uh, sort of um, review or whatever you call a review of a soft open on on Vegas tripping. So Chuck, Chuck, you can start by talking about uh, your experience, then I'll talk about my experience, and then um, I'm going to talk about I, I was I did an interview on KMPR, and uh, we can talk about whether or not. Uh, I have been completely fair, but let's first let's first talk about each of our uh, each of our experiences. So, so Chuck, um, you know, how, how did when did you stay and how did it go? Yeah, I popped in there on the first day they were accepting guests. Uh, I forget exactly what the date was. It's kind of a haze at last, this point. But last Wednesday, I think. Last Wednesday, yeah. So I popped in there uh, maybe a little afternoon or so when I showed up. There was maybe a couple of people before me who had checked in, but not many. They really had were just figuring out how things were working. The people at the front desk, they were confused, uh, you know. The, but the the manager was helpful. He was trying to help people learn. It was obvious that they were learning as they were going. Like they probably had some degree of the of training on the software, but these were new employees. They were greenhorns. You could tell they were nervous just talking to somebody. You know, it was not like they got somebody from some other place. Uh, the managers offered people water and, you know, they were really friendly and nice and everything. And there were some problems with the, uh, the initial booking. Uh, they have to, when house cleaning cleans a room first, they have to mark a room with a V that it's vacant. And then they have to mark a room with a C that it's clean after it's clean. So that means you're available to throw somebody else in there. So it took a little while to kind of get that stuff sorted out. Uh, another manager came in with a list of all the ones that had already been done. You'd figure they'd all be clean and vacant. This is the first day, <laughs> right? But there was no, they didn't do any play dates. I asked, I was like, you guys have play dates? You have people stay in there? No. So they were really pretty much working just to get everything as as done as it was uh, in in the time that they had. Uh, they, you know, they gave me my my keys. I was I only waited maybe five minutes or so. It was it wasn't really that big of a deal. Uh, I walked through the casino. I looked at the new decor. Everything looks great. Uh, none of the restaurants were open at that time. Uh, they have a Subway, McDonald's, uh, there's a sushi joint coming. The hash house wasn't open at the time. Uh, you know, everything looked really good. It wasn't completely done for at, by any stretch of the imagination. You know, if you walk off the basic pathways, you're going to start finding things that aren't done. It's obvious. You know, uh, this is pretty much what happened with the Tropicana for sure. Uh, and any other place that's done any degree of major renovation, you know, they give you the, the, the stuff you're going to touch first, and then the other things will come later. Uh, hopefully, they'll, they'll, they will be done. If they are, they're not done by a year or so from now, then you know that they completely half-assed it. It's probably too early to say whether or not they did that. Uh, got in the elevator. Uh, the elevators weren't they were partially done like it seemed like the electronics they were waiting probably until uh, everything was all the construction was done before they redo the elevator itself those old buttons lightens that didn't work things like that uh, the floor had no wayfinding signs so you didn't know which way to go to your room so you'd have to walk down one a piece to see if the numbers are going your way and then decide to go the other way. I saw a bunch of people who were just wandering around with their bags, didn't know where the hell they were going. So eventually I made it to my room. I, I went in there. You can look at all the photos and stuff. Uh, 
you know, they, they got a bunch of really great furniture. It's, it was amusing to see this, I tell you, because I, I think some of you have probably been to the, the old Fontainebleau sales pavilion, inside of which they had models of the hotel rooms. And it was this furniture, this exact furniture, the same desk that they had an iMac sitting on, the same stuff all together. And, uh, you know, they, they put some things here and some things there, and it made some degree of sense, but it wasn't the greatest uh, layout of, of hotel rooms you possibly could imagine. Uh, light bulbs were missing, some things didn't work right. Uh, the hot water didn't come up for about an hour when I first started it. But the second day, everything seemed to sort of be a little bit better. And enough for me to say, you know what, they kind of know what they're doing. They're, they're on their way to, to be able to get this stuff done. Uh, I, I had a good time. I was there for two nights. Uh, I slept well. Uh, for the most part, the technology worked. Uh, the TV set didn't, the checkout thing didn't work, but I never really use it anyway. I just kind of leave. So I didn't, I didn't even see a button on the remote for a checkout. I mean, it was like it was like the cable remote from my TV at home is what it looked like. It was yeah, it's like Direct TV. It's like a modified Direct TV yeah. in there. Well, if you go to like the, I think you go to like channel ninety nine, which oh. is like the Plaza channel, then it'll tell you to hit probably gotcha. A, B, or C or something, which is the way it kind of works at a lot of joints. Gotcha. So, but you know, I I I, I didn't. I got accosted by security because I was taking photos, but that was really, I, I didn't really have any problems with employees. I, I thought everybody was really, for the most part, pretty nice. The valet guys were hustling, even though it was 115 degrees outside. So hot. Yeah. You know, it was, I was, I was very happy to see what, what they had done there. I think they'd done a fantastic job. It looks like a totally different place, but it still has a lot of that old kind of frumpy, groovy, fun character that, makes the plaza the plaza so i think they changed it enough to really give it a good kind of push off into the water hopefully they'll be able to build on that as they go yeah well i think that's a good uh a good report so you checked out on friday and then i checked in a couple days later on sunday which was um you know four days before their official grand opening so definitely was still in their soft open period so i drove up and um, went to the valet, and yeah, I, you know, these guys, it was so hot outside. And um, these guys uh, did a great job. I was out of my car and in the hotel in like two seconds. Um, make my way to the, um, to the front desk, which, you know, is probably the first thing that most people will see when they walk in from Fremont Street. And it is so different it's like night and day it's um it looks great you know this is it's a very dramatic opening statement it's a lot of red it looks really great it was pristine super clean um you know it it really did look fantastic so i'm like wow the lobby's the lobby's amazing i love the sitting area and the the main hallway now it's it's totally a different place yeah so it's definitely um a really great first impression um I was the only person in line to check in. So I, I'm checking in, and uh, there is the check-in agent guy who's behind the computer, and then there's a manager guy standing behind him. And so the check-in agent guy is clearly still figuring out how the computer works. Like, he he's an elderly guy, and he, he, I, he had that look that my mom kind of has on her face when she's looking at the computer, and she's not <laughs> sure what the hell it's trying to tell her. Um, she just looked confused. It was obvious he didn't understand exactly what he was seeing, and he 
And I also got the impression that like maybe he'd made a mistake in the past and he didn't want to do it again. Like he was trying, he was being careful. So he was trying to looking confused. He was kind of muttering under his breath. Um, and the, the manager was standing like right next to him who was, he was flicking through his Blackberry. And so at first, my absolute first, um, exposure is, you know, this manager that, there's no way the manager didn't realize that this guy was confused and couldn't figure out what was going on. The manager does not seem to care at all. Um, eventually, the guy is like, okay, you got to help me because I don't understand how what this means. And so the manager guy kind of like, uh, comes over and he's like, okay. So he he, fig- he explains it to the guy and I get checked in. So a check-in where I'm the first, first one up takes about 20 minutes. Obviously, I've been in check-in lines way longer than 20 minutes in Las Vegas. Um, I've seen computer systems go completely down. The only thing about that experience that bothered me was the fact that the manager didn't care, didn't seem to care, um, about the fact that a guest was sitting there waiting. Um, so I'm like, all right, whatever. So I get my key and I'm in the South Tower, which I think you were too, Chuck. I walk across yeah. the casino because you have to walk across the casino to get to the South Tower. I think I was on the same floor as you. I was on nine. Yeah, I think that's the only, the only that's the only tower that's open now. Yeah, that's the well. I saw people. I saw a couple people going into the North Tower, but. Hmm. Um, a very small number. So I don't know, maybe they were employees or something. I don't know. Right. Um, anyway, so I get up to my, I get up to the, f- the floor. Yes. Definitely noticed that the hoods, that the elevators are kind of grimy and gross. Like I wanted to Purell my hands after touching the buttons. Like they looked pretty nasty. Well, it wasn't that bad. Well, I don't know. Some, not all, not all the elevators are created equal. I think okay, there's what, okay. like six elevators in that. In I that guess elevator so. lobby, I guess, I, that's and so some of them, possible. some of them are definitely better than others. But some of them, the buttons. It looked were old and kind of like, yeah, it looked old and beat up. But I didn't get grimy or dirty well, or the, that off of it. I should have taken a picture. But some of these buttons, okay. like, <laughs> you know, they're 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 plastic, see-through plastic. Some of them were dark enough that they were like, they almost could see like the sliver of a moon on. Them. I mean, they were noticeably uh-huh. dirty. So um, anyway, I get up to my room. I get up to the floor, and just like you, no wayfinding, very confusing. I luckily guessed right the first time, so I, I didn't have to go uh, around too far. So I get into the room. It's totally clean. It's, you know, it's no, it seems great. Um, I noticed a lot of the same things you noticed, right? Like, there's no bed skirts, there, which is, just looks kind of weird. Um, there, the, the safe was locked in the open position. And I guess I called, I asked about that and they actually said that they don't have the codes. I assume that they've fixed this by now, but they said they didn't have the codes to unlock them. They read um, it on, they read it on boing boing. It's all zero, 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 zero. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Cause I posted that on Twitter and someone was like, yeah, actually, if you Google it, you can find how to unlock yeah. any hotel safe. I'm like, Oh, great. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so there were definitely a lot of like little quibbly type issues with the room, but um, this was a soft opening. So I, while I definitely noted them, I will, can forgive every single one of those little problems, like not having the soap, not having the safe working. Um, it's, I, the, it was funny when I called to ask about the safe, I asked the lady on the phone, I said, what else doesn't work? I was kind of, just kind of kidding. And she's like, well, <laughs> she like wanted to tell me this whole story about all the problems that they'd been having. Oh, and she's like, yeah, the TVs don't work in a lot of the rooms. And I'm like, oh, well, my TV worked fine, except for the checkout thing. Mm. Um, I did have problems getting onto the internet. Um, it, it just didn't work. Which was weird because other people, you know, you used it without any trouble, and it's like the same Wi-Fi network. I don't really. There was understand. two. There was two networks. There yeah, was like like Plaza a test. and Plaza Test. Yeah, <laughs> I used Plaza. And yeah, it see, I used I I tried both, 
Um, <laughs> it, it just wasn't working. I don't know. It just it would it would wouldn't accept any home of payment. I tried like oh. three credit cards and PayPal, and nothing worked. But so so this kind of comes down to sort of part of my overarching complaint, which I'd like I said it definitely is a soft opening, and and I knew that going in. I'm, I'm you know I uh, I definitely. Um, knew that it, the place wasn't officially open yet when I made my reservation. Um, but when I called about it, it was like they didn't care. They didn't seem to care. They were like, well, it'll be working on Thursday. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well, okay, really? Well, yeah, and it's like, <laughs> okay, I can totally understand that for some stuff. But when that's, I got that response a lot for stuff. And it's like, well, magically what's going to happen on Thursday? Like, is there, is the repair guy coming to fix everything on Thursday? <laughs> I mean, I just, it doesn't logically make sense. Some, you know, you would expect things to sort of gradually not work and then get closer to working as they get closer to the opening. Um, so, uh, you know, that's sort of like my, my first, um, sort of, I sort of, I bristled a little bit at that because they didn't seem to be, they didn't seem to want to help me. Um, they basically were like, eh, tough, tough shit. You're staying here. It's we're not open yet. Your problem. Would you pay thirty eight bucks? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it definitely was very inexpensive. So actually, as it's kind of funny, as an experiment, I actually posted on Twitter to their Twitter account to ask about my Wi-Fi, and I still to this day, like two weeks later, I have not gotten a response, and I doubt I ever will. Um, it seems like their Twitter person is like on like three hours a day looking at their uh, tweet schedule because they're not very active. Um, but that's sort of neither here nor there. So. Um, I go out and I have dinner, uh, I come back and I spent a bunch of time in the casino. Actually, I pretty much, other than going out to El Cortez to have dinner, I spent the entire night in the plaza casino playing. And so I, I walked around quite a bit. I played a bunch of different table games and, um, I definitely got the impression that a lot of the dealers, either this was their first casino job or... It you know they they didn't have a lot of experience. There was a lot of there were a lot of uh, mistakes making payouts, yeah. and slow slow dealing and that kind of thing. Um, Hard for the course for that place. You got to say yeah because it's oh it's always been like that. it's a break in joint which yeah. is except for the craps tables usually they have like the old guys who are on the way out. Yeah, there was sort of a mix right and yeah. and uh, you know you can take that to a certain degree as long as it's not. Too big of a deal, right? I mean, I've yeah. I've had dealers make mistakes at Bellagio and Win too, so it's not like it's unheard of. Yeah. But um, one thing I really didn't like was sitting there and having this dealer make a mistake at the roulette table, and the pit boss comes over and literally like starts yelling at her. And by yelling, I don't mean like screaming in terms of volume, but in terms of tone. Like it was very angry, um, and uh, telling her that she's stupid. And we're all there's like three people sitting at the table. We're all kind of looking at each other like, wow. I mean, it was just, I don't know. It was a spectacle I was not anticipating to see, no. right? So, eh, you know, another thing that I was kind of like, eh, well, I'm, I'm sort of the, the underlying narrative here is I'm starting to kind of wonder who they've hired to work in their fancy, nice new casino. Um, I, go, I go and check out the Swingers Club, which had just opened like that moment. And so it was <laughs> me, me and like three people and like five bartenders. Um and Anthony Cools. He wasn't there. I was looking. Um, so, I, I mean, the, the negative part was, you know, I didn't really get to see it in action as a real functioning venue. But I did get to walk around and really check it out. 
I was sort of surprised, actually, and this is maybe just my own thing, but based on the descriptions, I was expecting more golf. Um, it seemed like a sort of a minor part of the thing, more than a major part. Most of the space is devoted to um, the bar and sort of seating for the piano stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, I actually had a comment on my post that actually somebody that was there for the media thing and said it was a lot of fun and the golf thing worked really well. So maybe it was just that it was empty. Um, but... Uh, the you know the uh, the place is basically a standard kind of bar with a piano in it and some golf around the edges. It's, it's got this funky like secret golf hole that is supposed to be haunted or something. Uh, there's a plaque explaining how if you go into this room you're gonna die or something. I don't know. It was some sort of some sort of vaguely trying to be clever. Um, uh, a super secret golf hole or something. So anyway, I I made my way in and out of there pretty quickly. Um, I you know, like I said in my post, I kind of have doubts about how the place will do. I could definitely be proven wrong about that, and maybe they don't have to make a lot of money to stay open. But it seemed a little bit questionable to me. I don't know. That's just uh, total speculation um, on my part. Um, but uh, so yeah, eventually I retired from that. I slept really well. The bed was comfortable. Uh, in the morning, I um, cruised around for a little bit and then made me a way to check out. And, you know, like you already mentioned, the checkout didn't really work properly. Uh, so that was that was it. Um, sort of the biggest problem I had with the place had nothing to do with the fact I didn't have soap or the fact that my bed didn't, you know, the mattress was exposed. Like, you know, whatever. Um, it really was... I, I see this place as they spent $35 million. They made a great deal by getting more furniture than they ever could have got for that amount of money. They, they, they stretched that way further than they could have in other circumstances, which uh, – and I think people are actually somewhat excited about the plaza. Like I've heard people talking about the plaza in a way that I haven't heard people talking about it in a long time. I mean it used to be really kind of like – really ghetto place at the end of Fremont that you didn't want to go into unless you were going to Firefly. And now people are excited to check it out. And when you walk in the front door and you see the lobby and you see the casino, it's like an entirely different place. It is like unrecognizable pretty much, except for there's still a lot of heavy emphasis on bingo. Um, <laughs> but the people, a lot, and not everybody, there were definitely some great employees that I talked to, but m many of them did not seem, they they did not seem to give a shit about anything. I mean, they, they, the guest experience was lacking. And you know what? Maybe it's because they weren't open yet, but I have my doubts that four days can change someone's attitude completely. And maybe it's because they had so much shit going wrong that they just were overwhelmed and they need that sort of to subside and then they can sort of rise to their greatness. But... That was sort of the crux of my issue with yeah. the whole experience was like they did all this work. They really made the I mean, kind of a minor miracle in terms of what they were able to do with the building with the amount of money they had. Yeah. And I'm wondering if they aren't going to get everything out of it that they could have because some their some of their folks that are working there. I mean, man, I, wouldn't it be great if they just had like some young, hungry hotel employees that maybe were a little bit green but just really wanted to help you? I mean, I understand not knowing where the ice machine is because the place is brand new. But yeah. it's like when the person's like, I don't know, it's find it yourself. 
I mean, you know, that that's the problem for me is that it's the attitude. It's nothing to do with the, I mean, this, it's nothing to do with any of the little stuff that they can fix. It's the attitude. The attitude seemed very eh to me. Every time, every time I've ever seen Steve Wynn do an opening day interview, he usually spends a majority of it talking about you can build a new place with all this and the fancy stuff, but what sets our place apart is the people who work here. Right. You know, he puts so much emphasis on the employees and that really is what, what provides the true guest experience, you know? So they spend a lot of money on stuff, but unless they get the, the service conditions, and I, you know, I don't expect like miracle service for $40 a night. It's not the fucking no. four seasons, but I just want people to be polite and to act like they care. Two and a half seasons. It's, <laughs> it went from like a half season to like two seasons. So, I mean, that, that is pretty impressive. But I just, you know, when you, when you ask for something and the guy, you, it's clear that the guy could not care less about even pointing you in the right direction. That's yeah. the shit that really bothered me about the whole thing. Yeah. And um, so I, you know, I, I wrote up my post, and of course, I get an email from a producer at KMPR, and I, th- I, you know, I this is not lost on me. I, they wanted to talk to me because I had a, you know, not a super positive, glowing um, sort of uh, experience. They're like, oh, this was going to be more interesting than interviewing someone from the RJ. <laughs> so we'll have him come on and talk about all the stuff that's wrong with the place. Um, and so, you know, I did this 15-minute interview that was on the radio on their State of Nevada show. I went back and listened to it again today. I still stand by everything that I said. Um, I said a lot of positive things about the place. Um, I said, I think everyone should check it out, that the casino looks like an entirely new joint. Um, I said a lot of what I just said just now, where I thought the service wasn't great and that I'm sort of wondering, you know, I think, what I said in my piece is like they had old plaza attitudes and a new plaza uniform. That kind of sums it up for me. It's like, I, I want the people to be as excited about their new place as I am as a guest. And it doesn't, ha- it doesn't mean you have to be, you know, uh, the general manager of the peninsula. Uh, you just have to care a little bit. And so that sort of was the underlying part of my thing. You know, I know Chuck, you posted on Vegas tripping. You thought I was too severe. Um, no, 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 don't, 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 I didn't think you were too severe. Okay. Well, I why don't you, the, I thought the whole, the whole thing was a little severe. Okay. It seemed to me it was a combination of, you s- said all the things that you had said just now. Uh, the, the dude who was doing the interviewing, he really picked at those things. Yeah. He picked at the bad stuff. He wanted a certain I, story. He wanted that story, and he kind of pulled it out of you, and he got you to a point where you started getting audibly kind of flustered, like <laughs> exasperated. You sounded exasperated. And, and, and I was thinking, you know, this seemed a little, you know, it's the plaza, man. It's not cosmopolitan. Right. Grant, you know. And the, no, it's not that as big of a deal. And also, you know, we were there during soft opening. Right. And to a degree, you know, my philosophy is now, and I'm not saying that anybody should have my philosophy, but just for me, whenever I go to a soft op- opening kind of situation, you know, you kind of have to take the gloves off. Like, you, you just, it's like, well, this is what happened. You know, right. you just point out some things. It's not, this isn't ready yet. You know, this is that. This is kind of cool. You know, when this thing kind of, if they can figure this out and a couple other things, as opposed to being a little more, 
what so, the hell is going on here? You well, know, it I, seemed like it was a lit, just a lit. It was, we're talking like we're splitting. Yeah, yeah. Hairs I hear you. About. So what I would say is sort of my philosophy on that is a soft opening. Well, so for uh, for an official opening, when when there's no soap in your in your room, you're like, man, that's pretty weak. That they, you know, you're at the opening of of uh, encore and there's no shampoo, and you're like, that's pretty retarded. Yeah, I shouldn't say retarded. And that's, there's, that's there's, pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so at, in a soft opening, you're like, oh, there's no shampoo. No problem. Can I, I'll call and they'll bring it up and you call and they're like, September 1st. That was my problem was that they yeah. didn't care. It wasn't that the yeah. stuff wasn't in my room is that when I called about it and asked about it, they didn't want to help me. It was like, I wasn't even a real guest. It was yeah. like, you're just, you're just paying to inhabit our chambers until we actually open on Thursday. Which and that shows that they made a mistake and shouldn't have opened the place. They weren't ready for I a soft opening. I was actually surprised. I felt like it was pretty rough. Like, and, yeah. and, I, and not the little stuff aside, I just mean in terms of the work they're still doing, it's still very actively being worked on. Like, it, you go up on upstairs to the fifth floor where the pool is, and it's like a war zone. Um, and, you know, September is obviously sort of the end of pool time, but it is still, it's, I don't know what it is in Vegas today, but it's like 90 degrees here in California. It's probably pretty hot. So, you know, it, it's not like people couldn't go out and use the pool, but it's, it's not ready yet. And there's a lot of stuff like that around the property, right? So I, it did seem like they had come up a little bit closer to their dates as far as being ready than I thought, but it was also interesting because it was like, a dichotomy where there definitely was work being done, but there was also other parts of the property that didn't seem finished where I didn't see any work being done. Like they figured they'd gone enough and they were just going to kind of let it ride. And I, I guess that's sort of, that seems like a shame to me because like they went 80% of the way and I'm one, I'm hoping that they don't kind of give up because it could be great. Like it could literally be the second place, second best place on Fremont after the Golden Nugget. But like they, that's in their sights, but it seems like they're going to miss that if they don't kind of go that extra mile. I don't know if I'd give it the second best. I'd well, say, uh, you know, I think it's sort of, I think that's sort of ar- definitely arguable, but it, it, I mean, it, it, it goes from being like a place nobody really wanted to stay to a contender. If you're staying downtown, yeah. um, uh, Jeff or Dave, like we've just been rambling for like <laughs> a half an hour now. Um, do have you, either of you guys been down there since it's reopened? Yes, I have. Uh, well, Dave, why don't you tell us what you thought? It was really dead. It was a Tuesday night about 10 o'clock and it was completely dead. Like maybe one to 3% of the slot floors being used. Wow. Not much table action. It was really like funeral parlor. How did that compare with other places downtown or did you go in? Well, I did. Um, Actually, that was a little bit where it was about the same as the Las Vegas club. I was surprised it was so dead because it's right there and they've got the 40% loose in machines, which doesn't seem to be doing that much to pull people in, at least not when I was there. It was a little bit worse than the golden gate, which was also pretty dead. Although since they had the party pit going on and the dancers, there was a lot of energy. So if you just walk out of the elevator, you're like, wow, this place is rocking. It's incredible. They've got dancing girls. Oh, my God. But then you take three steps away from the pit into the slots, and it's like, man, nobody's playing. The place that was doing the best was Golden Nugget. They they probably had, I would guess, maybe 10 to 15% of the slots filled, and that actually seemed to be pretty good energy. There was a lot of employees walking around, so Golden Nugget seemed to be doing a lot better than any of these places. You know, now part of that's going to be because they 
probably don't have all the hotel rooms open at the plaza, but I still would have thought there would have been a little bit more traffic. So I'm hopeful, but um, I didn't really see a lot going on. I also walked through the mini golf, although I didn't know about the haunted hole, which man, sounds like a reason to visit in and of itself. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's not a, um, it, you could easily miss it if you didn't scour the entire place, but it's sort of, if you walk in the front door, you go off to the right and it's in the back corner. Uh, apparently it was like um, part of the plaza that in previous construction projects, like people had gone in there and never been seen again or something. I don't know, something ridiculous, but um, you know, if I, if I can go off on a tangent with yeah, that, you know, tangent it's really away. funny how places kind of get this mythical history. Cause somebody was talking to me about it in the media and they're like saying, well, the plaza that was built back in the mob days. Right. You know, I bet there's a lot of stories there. I'm like, well, yeah, it was built by Jackie gone and Sam Boyd and a couple of other guys. And, you know, some of the guys could, I'm forgetting the one guy's name, although I knew it a couple of years ago, but you know, some of the guys couldn't get along. So they ended up kind of Boyd ended up doing the California. So it's really not kind of a sorted history. It's kind of just a bunch of plain talking guys who like to cater to a budget crowd, building a joint and, having a little falling out, you know, not, not mob stuff and everything. I think maybe they were confused by the cooler or something. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> they found a safe locked away underneath a buried behind a wall. Oh, wait, oh, that's man. a different story. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was kind of funny, but I, I don't know. I, I really hope they do well. And well, what I were your wanted, impressions of the place as far as it's, I mean, you've seen it before I, and you've seen it after. I saw it before I saw it when it was under construction. I was impressed with it then. You know, it looks pretty cool. Just like you and Chuck said, the lobby's pretty awesome. Didn't get to go into any of the rooms, but it looks like they've definitely made strides. They just need to figure out a way to get a lot more people down there pretty quickly, I would think. But I think this is a bigger downtown problem, you know, and it's amazing for how much activity there is out there on the Fremont Street experience, I just wasn't seeing people on the floor. And maybe this, you know, maybe Steve Wynn is right. You don't want to put your attraction outside for free. You want to have it inside because there just wasn't a ton of people playing. When I was there on that was that Sunday night, it, it wasn't full by any stretch and it wasn't even officially open, but it was, you know, it was, the casino definitely didn't feel dead. I mean, there were people playing, Every, at every single table position, maybe, you know, minus one or two, um, every single table game, excuse me. And, um, and slot wise, you know, maybe 40% full, but I mean, it felt, you know, it felt alive. It felt like a casino full of people. And the, the swingers club, one thing about it for sure is that they have these glass windows that open up onto the casino floor. And so people that are like, they're singing these songs and that sort of, that audio spills out onto the floor and, um, <laughs> it, it it kind of overtakes the the uh, background noise for better or worse, right? So there's like people singing Rocket Man at like you know ten thousand decibels, and it's kind of fun for a minute, and then you wonder maybe if it might get a little bit annoying. I think it maybe depends on what you what if <laughs> what kind of mood you're in, I guess. Um, but Jeff, what about you? I mean, I don't know if you've been down there, but I'm sure you probably have a thought or two about this whole thing. Well, I have not been, but I've certainly followed all your guys' uh, postings. You know, I had a, a few thoughts. Um, first, you know, just briefly, the uh, the soft opening phenomenon. Um, you know, we talked about this at Cosmopolitan and talked about whether, uh, you know, Sheldon Adelson is sort of the patron saint of the soft opening. But, um, <laughs> you know, I am, I'm critical of the soft opening. Um, I know, that, and I, I said it back at Cosmo time, maybe there is something to it. Um, it starts getting revenue coming in. 
Um, it sort of gives them a built-in excuse if things don't work right. Um, but um, I am a fan of the, of the heart opening, um, you know, trying to get things as good as you can and sort of admitting problems and fixing them if you do open with uh, some problems. So, you know, that's, that's one element. Um, two, I wanted to comment on the media, and let's include ourselves um, as well as the uh, more traditional media. Um, I think that, you know, we in Vegas, we go through these little peri- these periods, um, sort of phases of, you know, lots of great big things going on and then not much going on. And certainly the economy contributed to this being a time when there's not as much going on. Um, back at, you know, a little more than a decade ago, um, when Bellagio and Mandalay and Venetian and Paris and Aladdin opened, um, you know, by the end of that that streak of major major resort openings, um, you know, the media gets sort of lax. Uh, you know, it's, it, they cover it and everybody makes a big deal about it and there's big parties and you know there will be a few stories in the paper, but in the newspaper and certainly TV will have crews there. But by the time, like, Paris and Aladdin opened, you know, there's maybe only a couple advanced stories in the newspaper. Uh, you know, everybody's sort of, you know, like, oh, geez, another resort. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost ridiculous when you think about, you know, the, back at that time, the properties were, you know, ranged between, uh, you know, $2 billion and, you know, just about almost a billion. Um, you know, and now I'm more, and then we had the, uh, the, you know, win Las Vegas and then Palazzo and Encore and City Center. Um, and that's, you know, that, you know, culminating in the insane amount that was spent on City Center, including all of its condos. But, you know, I, I mean, think about the, you know, City Center did get coverage and did get advanced, but I would almost say not too much more than the, you know, Cosmo, which is a much smaller scale property and half the uh, half the price and then you know since then it's like we get built into this you know we want new we want things that are you know going on and it's like when you compare the investment in all of those things and then and 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 I'm leaving out all the big hotel towers that were done during the last decade uh, you know the Augustus Tower Venetian added the tower Bellagio added the spa tower, Mandalay added the hotel. So like all the premier resorts added big multi-hundred million dollar towers, those get hardly any coverage in the media. Um, but, you know, that, but, you know, over the last few years, we've had, um, you know, Cosmo Open got great, great coverage. The TROP um, changeover for less than $200 million in investment. Um, you know, I would say fairly significant media coverage, you know, especially by, you know, by uh, you guys, and I think, uh, you know, the newspapers as well. And now the plaza has reached, like, an amazing new level um, of amount of media coverage for a relative drop in the bucket cash-wise. Yeah. Um, so just in terms of the scale or the scope of coverage, it's just amazing what... You know, I think they said, I read a story last week that said they're, all, they're claiming like $45 million now, um, or 40 million um, from the original 35 I think it was even less than 35 but 
it's sort of gone up. Yeah. Um, that and but you know, regardless, that is a very small amount of money in the Vegas scheme of things, and they really have had a whole lot of coverage. But for that coverage, it has been so. You know, you guys do what you do in terms of, you know, how how um, customers are pleased. What's the service like for a guest? And I think that's perfectly appropriate. What does the place look like? The design, you know, all those kind of things. Customer service issues, and that's what you should be doing. But like the newspapers have really, I think, dropped the ball on you know um, the whole the whole way this happened. Um, you know the the. I haven't seen anybody addressing like the former employees. They've said, "Oh yeah, 30 or 40 percent of the employees worked there before." Well, what happened to the other employees? Did they all get jobs? I mean, it wasn't closed that long. What about the strategy that they used to close it? It seems like a room renovation could have been done with the place being open. They wanted to redo the casino and some of the common areas. So I understand why they had to close the casino, um, but I, I, I don't think it was absolutely mandatory, but, you know, I'm not sure that it needed to be closed as long as it was. Um, you know, I should admit right away, I thought that they were never going to reopen the place, so I was totally wrong about that and more power to them for investing some money downtown and reopening it. But I think the media has not focused on, like, is the, is the culinary union still representing the people who work there? I mean, I presume it is because the culinary is not picketing the place. Um, but there must have been some kind of strategy or agreement in terms of the, you know, the people who worked there before. Did they guaranteed get their jobs back? Was, you know, and I have read nothing about it. It's something that should have been addressed by the media, but our media is, um, you know, really so unfamiliar with covering those issues, and maybe doesn't care that they have not addressed those issues. So I think that that's a, uh, you know, that's, they, they have really dropped the ball there. So, you know, that, you know in, terms of, in terms of what I think about them spending money, I think it's fantastic. It's a relative drop in the bucket. So, you know, there's probably a lot more money that would need to be spent to bring it up to the quality level of, let's say, Main Street Station, um, which would usually probably be thought of as um, the second best uh, property downtown, I guess. Um, but, you know, certainly this would, this based on what I've read, um, that it, it should leapfrog it past um, the, the, the bottom level properties now, which would be Fitzgerald's Vegas Club and, you know, at the bottom. And it's, I, you barely can count it since it doesn't have a hotel, the Western. Um, but, you know, I I think that um, I've just been surprised at how much coverage they got for such a relatively uh, middling amount of money. Yeah, I mean they, uh, in terms of getting value for their <laughs> fumble, um, in terms of getting value for their dollar, I think it's you know that actually was one of the questions that NPR homeboy asked me. Um, was, is that its official title? <laughs> there was uh, about the you know it, did, did they get a good deal? And I, yeah, I think undisputedly. I mean, it's amazing what they've been able to do with a relatively small amount of money, um, and for that they should be commended, no matter what. Um, so I definitely give them props for that. 
we do have other topics. We've been doing this for 45 minutes now. I have one more question that I don't know the answer to, and maybe you guys do, and then I wanted to move on, which was how many hotels downtown have room service? Because the plaza does not. I know the Golden Nugget does, but what about other hotels? How common is it? Anybody know? I don't know. Chuck? I'm tr- trying to think. Um, I don't think the Cal had room service. Uh, last time I stayed there, El Cortez, I don't think they had room service. Um, yeah, I think you're probably Golden Nugget might be it's your more, only option. So it's more uh, an exception to have it than than not. Yeah. Yeah. That's sort of what I assumed. Um, you're so used to it on the Strip. I mean, it's basically 100% uh, that when you go downtown and they don't have it, well, you know, most of the other hotels there down there don't, but um, I I was I was kind of thinking about that when I was in the room, thinking, oh yeah, they don't have rooms for us. But you know what? I bet most of these other places don't either. Yeah. Um, anyway, I wanted to move on um, and try and cover a few more things. Um, I, as part of the same trip, I stayed in one of the renovated rooms at Bellagio, um, and Chuck, you joined me to use the phone and observe the lustrous light. <laughs> of the uh, beautiful Las Vegas sun. Um, and so the, the reason this is interesting is because, you know, these designs have sort of been revealed over a series of um, uh, articles and photos, originally starting with Vegas tripping. You had pictures of, excuse me, of the original, one of the original designs, um, which was widely ridiculed um, as just being very on Bellagio. Things kind of unrolled from there, where we saw um, other other designs. They have multiple designs that they've done in the renovation. And actually, I was in, I believe, sort of the second series that you had posted, if I'm remembering the chronology correctly. The blue, yes, the, blue the blue room. Um, these rooms are now, you know, available to the public. When you book online or over the phone, they will sell you a room. They charge you a thirty dollar fee to get into one of these. Um, they seem to be proud of them. I actually had heard, uh, that, um, you know, they're very excited about these rooms and they were surprised that some people didn't love them. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I wrote a, a blog post after the stay saying, you know, Bellagio room design's not as bad as you think. Um, because that was sort of the, that's sort of the way I felt like, yes, I totally still feel like being plopped into this room with 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 the window closed, I wouldn't know. I would never guess Bellagio. If if Chuck was, if I had never seen this room and Chuck was posting, uh, what hotel is this? And I and all I had were those photos. Bellagio would not be on my list of guesses, right? So it still doesn't feel like it really fits. But having stayed in one, I uh, it's not all bad. I think um, I actually enjoyed. The room seems lighter than it did before. Some of the old furnishings were a little made the room feel a little bit stuffy, and that feels like it's gone. So some of it's a little bit too modernized for my taste, and um, you know the wallpaper is kind of odd. And uh, <laughs> but you know they they replaced the armoire with something that's less bulky, which is nice. It's still the room is still smaller than its um, contemporaries in terms of. It's stature, right? So compared to like a Palazzo room or a wind room or an Encore room, there's not as much square footage. Um, the bathrooms are very nice. Those have been redone. They're, they're probably the least touched part of the whole room. But generally speaking, I was comfortable there. Uh, and it wasn't a total disaster. Um, Chuck, you visited. What did you think? 
I thought uh, most of what you've said is is on the money. It looks better in person than it does uh, in photos, for sure. Uh, particularly, the, what I was most concerned was the way that the, the new decor made the the original tiling in the bathroom look like nicotine stained dentures, you know. It, <laughs> but there was a little bit less of that when you're in the room, per se, than than looking at the photos. If where I was sitting in the room, I had my back sort of to the wind, to the corner, and I couldn't really look out the window. And I feel like when I think about being there that day with you, I kind of felt like you were staying at Aria. Hmm. It's got that modern kind of yeah. thing. It's it, and the furniture is very similar to Aria's, the same color, right? Uh, in a lot of ways, uh, the artwork. You know, has the 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 earthy flower looking thing, and this was the the blue Suvlaki palace thing. Right. Um, I think speaking of that, I think that 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 wallpaper is just a little too busy. It's a little too busy and bright for the room. If I was hungover, I'd probably be per- cursing that wallpaper. Yeah, or you know, whatever. If you're tripping, you'd probably be licking it. You know, who knows? But oh. uh, <laughs> it's. Uh, you know, I think the room itself, in and of itself, is fine. I don't think it really exudes the Bellagio vibe, but you know, we—I think it's time, just dollars of donuts, to fess up. The Bellagio you think you remembered is gone. It's done. It's over with. It's right. now middle-aged, like the Mirage was five or so years ago. And they're going to go and clean out and redo all the stuff that's in there, and it's going to become a mid-market property. You just—you got to accept it. It's still great as it is, but you know. It's not wow. 1998 anymore. I think I agree with ev- almost everything you said. I'm not sure that it's going to turn into a mid-market property or not. Well, I think that remains to be seen. Um, I think that's definitely possible, but I don't know if that's a foregone conclusion. Um, but I agree with you that there's you can no longer hold on to the sort of past ideal of what Bellagio was at one point. It's, it's definitely changing, and it's not changing back. Uh, and he actually... Comparing it to Aria, I think is very apt. That's um, I hadn't thought about that, but yes, it does very much feel like the same kind of decor. I'm sure that they went back to you know 1-800 Aria furniture and uh, loaded up a lot of the same stuff that they already had, and um, it it does kind of feel like that. You know, I slept really well. They had they have brand new beds that that I uh, I don't know I couldn't complain really. I mean, it was a nice day. It didn't knock my socks off or anything, but it um, it was it was very comfortable and. Uh, I was sort of expecting to hate it, and I didn't. So um, <laughs> there's a plus. We'll see how that goes. I think it'll be interesting to see in the next six months or so as Hyde Lounge opens and they take Caramel out of service and redo that, how that changes the property. I think that could have – people complain a lot about Encore and how the Beach Club Surrender and to a lesser degree Excess have really changed – the way that that property works in terms of its flow and its clientele. I think that those kinds of changes have the potential to happen at Bellagio. I mean, obviously, they already have a very successful nightclub. The bank is right there on the casino floor. And um, when Light originally opened, people, some people did complain about that, but that seems to have subsided. But they're going a couple steps further, and it will be very interesting to see how that impacts the property. And that might be kind of when it goes one way or another. And we see whether you know, it... Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, I was just going to say that um, until and unless 
we have another round of not only um, new construction, new new uh, resorts, but new high-end resorts. And I think that you know it, we'll see if the if developers think that the market at that end is saturated. Certainly, Wynn and probably Adelson would would try and go high-end if they built again. Um, but I'm not sure about everybody else. Um, and I think if that doesn't happen. Um, for the foreseeable future, Bellagio stays in the top tier. Um, I, so I would, I would slightly disagree with Chuck about it being already on a slow, inexorable march towards mediocrity. Um, I think that because it was built um, for a couple billion dollars in 1997, 1998 dollars, um, they got a lot of bang for their buck. Um, yeah, that was, that was when a billion dollars meant something. Yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but um, I think that, you know, some of the dramatic um, design features, some of the great, some of the quality uh, um, materials used in uh, building it, um, I think, uh, you know, Wynn and Ryder Butler and Roger Thomas, the elements, some of those things are not going to be removed, probably more the Wynn and Butler elements. Um, the... Uh, you know, I, I, I still think the Portica share by far the best in the market. The view from, um, you know, the uh, above the lake, uh, between the Portica share and the lake, um, among the best, if not the best in the city. You might have to get elevation or something to do better than that. Um, you know, or but and certainly for a, um, a on a large scale, it's a pretty um, impressive view. I think the uh, the uh, um, registration area still ranks among the top. Um, the uh, the conservatory, um, even with a little bit of bastardization uh, when they opened the spa tower and took out the staircase and stuff, still very impressive. I know that some people don't like, you know, the the throngs of tourists that are there, but you know, it's something that you know when something is really great and really cool and open to the public. Um, you know, that's sort of a price you have to pay, um, is that people are going to go there in numbers. Um, but, you know, I, 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 you know, as much as I like the new properties, and I think that, you know, Wynn and Encore and Aria and, uh, and uh, to a lesser extent, um, Palazzo and Cosmopolitan, um, you know, and, and Caesars is not, is, you know, they can build all the new towers with great rooms, uh, you know, all they want, but... It's you know and 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 a fantastic venue in in the uh, Coliseum, but it just doesn't get the same kind of magic that a a a uh, theme a a completely um, created at the same time resort does like Bellagio. So I just think that you know for me um, there are there may be better places in town in terms of the guest experience, um, and I, I, there probably are. But in terms of like a, a place that I would take a visitor to Las Vegas, there is yet to be anything that even comes close to Bellagio for me. Um, you know, I think that, and, and I'm just basing it on um, the kind of people who, um, I, you know, the reactions of the folks that I've accompanied to go see the different resorts. I love taking people to see places, and I just, you know, I know that the uh, the public space reaction to Bellagio crushes that of almost every other place. I mean, there's great places, 
um, and great venues and great you know dining and all that other stuff at some of these at some of these places, but nothing to match Bellagio. You know, I I have a uh, on my desk. I've got a pretty big uh, 27-inch monitor, and my background picture is actually a photo of Bellagio's Porta Crociere, which is um, so I and I look at it every day. And um, yeah, you know, it, it is it is pretty uh, pretty amazing. They they did a lot of things right there, um, and you know, not everything obviously, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it progresses with some of these changes that they're planning to make. I want to talk about the Riviera, um, Dave. I don't know anything about the Riviera, but you you're ex- <laughs> you're excited about it. So tell me why I should be excited. Yeah, I spent some time there. I kind of passed through there on the way to meet some folks in front of the Fountain Blue, and I was struck by a couple things that they'd done, so I said, hey, this would make a great story for Vegas 7's Greenfield Journal, and I reached out to their PR people and said, hey, I think this would make a great story. I'd love to talk about their vision for the property and what's happening, and heard back, oh, no, they're not interested in doing it right now. Can we do it some other time? Huh. No, because I'd actually made the same call when the new group took over, I was like, hey, I'd love to talk, you know, about what they have planned and whatever. So that ended up not happening. So I'm like, you know what, instead of doing that, I'm just going to spend a lot of time at the property, walk around, talk to people, see what's going on. Can I stop you for one second? You mentioned that they weren't interested in really talking. They they didn't want to tell their story. Yeah. Well, how how often does that happen? I mean, you're you're constantly talking to these people to – you know, you, maybe you're working on a specific issue, but as far as like, I would like to publicize your property in our, you know, free weekly. Uh, no, thanks. Uh, <laughs> move along. Think. It's amazing. It happens a lot. You know, another company sent out a press release announcing a new executive joining their team. So I followed up like, Hey, you know, got the press release. I really want to do a piece on this. You know, can we set up an interview and kind of dig a little bit deeper? And that's not happening. Is that the so, win thing? That might be. <laughs> okay, so we'll, we'll, we're going to get to that in a minute. But we'll, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, so yeah, continue no, with but the Riviera. It happens, it happens a lot, and it's, one of the, it's a really frustrating thing. You know, Jeff could probably speak to this too, because it's like if you're not reprinting the press release with those exact talking points or going off that script a little bit, it's just like it's impossible to do anything. So you know, I decided, hey, look, I'll talk to people. So I spent a lot of time down there. It's actually a pretty cool property. You know, there's a nice mix of people there. It's sort of like the anti-Encore Beach Club of everything, you know, where things are pretty affordable according to strip terms. And um, I, I just had a pretty good time hanging out there talking to people. Um, a lot of people didn't want to talk. You know, I told one older gentleman, I'm like, hey, I'm writing an article about the Riviera, you know, want to talk about it you know why you're here what do you like and he's like well i don't read i'm like well do you talk i'm like you're talking (laughs) yeah i'm like well what do you think about this place well i don't so a lot of those folks didn't (laughs) want to talk so maybe there's something weird going on where if an article gets written about the riviera the world is going to end or something and they're just trying to prevent that it's just bizarre it's the best kept secret in town (laughs) yeah it was strange like even the patrons didn't want to tell me what was going on so you know it's interesting they're doing stuff with their bingo, which actually a lot of the people I talked to who were older people came down there specifically to play bingo. Mm-hmm. You know, they were staying at other properties and came there's there. not that much of it left on the strip, right? No. And to me, that's really smart because not because bingo makes a ton of money, but because they're going to have somebody with them who might be a slot player. So if you can get them, you know, spending 
200 bucks in the slot machine over an hour or two while their partner or travel mate is playing bingo, well, that's great. You know, basically, it's a babysitting service. So that's pretty cool. They've got the biggest problem that I've seen, and I really wanted to do a blog post about this before the show, and I'd still like to do one uh, when I have a little bit of time, is that for whatever reason, there's about a 100-foot dead zone in the front of the casino where you walk through those doors, you go down the stairs, and there's nothing Right. No slot machine. There's a couple of banks of slot machines, but not much happening. Then they've got a dead pit. Then you cross that and you get to the party pit, which had a $5 craps table that was totally packed the whole time I was there with, I think, 10 times odds. And they also claim, I saw this in the marquee. I didn't, I didn't see the game myself. They claim to have 3-2 single deck blackjack too. So they've got some gaming in there, but it's so well hidden. It's incredible. And also, it's a re- uh, yeah. the single zero roulette they also were touting on the marquee out front. I, I've definitely noticed yeah. when you walk in how they have like these big empty areas that are just like okay, um, and sort of like the, the sort of the anti casino design one hundred and one class of uh, you know, it's bizarre. Yeah. yeah, and you contrast that with a place like Casino Royale which is just totally like off the charts. Yeah, they banging. would take over the, the sidewalk completely if they had the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> so if I was running the Riviera, you know, the elusive executives running Riviera, what I would do is I'd, I'd push the party pit to the front of the property. Basically, I'd go down to the Casino Royale and do exactly what they have, push a lot of games up to the front of the property, take some games out in another part of the casino and table that for some future development or bring in some third party to develop it so you're not laying out cash for it just give them a, a nice lease deal. Yeah. But, you know, there's a ton of cool stuff they could do. Another cool thing that just opened is Lucky's just took over the sports book there, which isn't really a separate room like the Cantor's ones at the Trop or Cosmopolitan. It's kind of a corner of that front of the casino. And they actually have a strip front betting window. Mm-hmm. So you can be walking down the street and just, hey, I want to put some, you know, get some action down or whatever, do it right there at the window. Huh. So to me, that's really cool. And... That's the kind of thing they should do more of. I talk. I wrote a column for Vegas 7 that will be out next week where I talk a little bit about what I think they can do to try to work with the other properties there and you know why I think that's important. So the bad part about the place is that there is no foot traffic because you've got Fountain Blue right north of them right. and then nothing. So pretty much if there was more foot traffic, I think they'd be probably doing like Casino Royale type numbers. They'd be doing pretty well. So that's that's kind of what I think. It's kind of cool though. I spent some time hanging out by the pool and just looking at the Monte Carlo Tower, which was built by Martin Stern, mm. I think in 77. And, you know, it's got these cool overhanging top suites, you know, on the top floors. Right. Just looks really cool. And I'd love to like, get inside there. And it's just really awesome. And I also scoped out a possible location for next year's Vegas Internet Mafia picnic if we ever decide to move. There's a really cool spot um, at the Riviera. You know, the Riv is like one of those, la- it's one of the last places now, right? I mean, yeah. you know, Circus Circus is still around. Sahara is closed. Tropicana is unrecognizable. I mean, it's one of the last places that yeah. has been around longer than, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, and it's got this cool, you know, it definitely doesn't have the 50s or 60s charm, but it's got a really cool kind of 80s casino charm to it where the ceiling is the white acoustic tile. You know, yeah. it's not the 90s 
fake blue sky. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, it's, it's just cool. Yeah, and, and Nomi, uh, Nomi Malone is running across the street yeah. to make sure no one's ripping her off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's just totally cool. So I, I had a really good time down there. Yeah. Well, that's cool. I'm glad, you know, the Riv is like one of those places that kind of falls into like the black hole of never being discussed. Um, but so I'm really glad that you brought it up and then we got to talk yeah. about it a little bit because, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's still an important spot and, and they've had some bad luck with their neighbors, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that kind of unravels, but they're um, changing something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's a pretty cool, you know, um, just another example. I'm kind of poaching from my own column here, but they've got these cabanas, these poolside cabanas. And they, I'm like, well, how much are they? It's like, well, it's $100 a day and you get the, you get to use the rafts. They got little rafts. Huh. I'm like, man. So I called up Encore. I'm like, how much is cabana? <laughs> and finally I talked to somebody. Like, we don't know. And then finally I talked to them. I'm like, well, it's like $2,500. If you have to ask. <laughs> yeah, like it's $2,500 minimum. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So if you have a group of people, you know, you have like five to ten people get together, rent your cabana there. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's like the so, cost of like a Taco Bell meal. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good. I'm glad that we got some Riviera stuff in there. Um, next thing up on the docket are something that you alluded to, Dave, which was a press release that went out this week about from the good folks at Caesars. Um, a gentleman that uh, had long been in the Wynn organization is moving over to run, I believe it's Hotel Ops for Caesars Palace. Um and Chuck, you know, when, when we, we had a little kind of Twitter back and forth and you reminded me that we actually had met this gentleman um, and you had said that you had been talking about him recently. What, do you, How big of a deal do you think that this is? I think this is a huge deal. He, um, I, I forget his it. name. Yeah, no, I <laughs> have his. Ramesh I have his, Sidwani. Yes. Yeah, it's, Ramesh. He, uh, he was the head of Wynn's hotel operations, basically. So he was a guy who made sure that the clocks ran on time and. Uh, he'd cross the I's, dot the T's, and he'd take the phone call if it, uh, if you had to escalate a problem. And he, I had, uh, spoke to him at the Encore Media thing, and he was just the super most down-to-earth, nicest, awesomest, grooviest guy. He really, really was nice. He had a total personal touch without being like a Hollywood snow jobber. He was a fantastic dude. And to see that he's leaving, you know, I don't know. That kind of, to me, that doesn't seem like a good thing. Uh, there's a lot of people who've been leaving that company. And to see the, the head of Wynn right after they're finished doing a major redesign of the hotel to, to bolt as soon as that project is over, you know. Well, it's not, you know, we've seen a, a significant personnel exodus at Wynn yeah. in the last year, right? I mean, we've yeah. seen a significant change in their PR department. We saw. Andrew Pascal leave. Um, yeah. Elaine Wynn is more or less not at all involved in any way anymore. Um, you know, we sort of were wondering what level she was involved in. Um, my understanding is it's pretty much 0% at this point. Um, so things have changed there quite a bit. It proves that, that Caesar's Palace is, they're going to get serious with their hotel. You know, they got the Seafood Tower coming online <laughs> the, uh, the the news has come out that Octavius is getting demothballed for early 2012 you know i think they're going to they're going to change all the restaurants up there at Caesar's Palace i think that 
Harris is 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 or Caesars Harris God. They're still they're really serious about trying to make that you know that continue making that it's like, product competitive. It's like they took the Win playbook from 2005 and they're like, yeah, that's still a pretty good playbook. Let's use that. Yeah. Um, because Win seems to have abandoned it with a lot of their recent changes to their F&B program. I mean, Alex Strada has now left the company, which was no surprise after he had his restaurant taken away. Um, but it, you know, things are, things are changing and, you know, Steve Wynn is still making bucket loads of money. So if that's the metric that you're using, it's hard to criticize him. And he makes a lot of great decisions, and he's obviously been a visionary over his entire career. But it does seem like (laughs) there have been some changes that some customers are a little bit wary of. Um, Maybe some, you know, maybe some of those reasons are more legitimate than others. But, um, you know, to see Caesars kind of swooping in and to it, what feels like a pretty aggressive improvement of some of the things that they aren't doing very well, it makes you wonder, you know, you know, it, it, they seem to be competing pretty hard for that, for that, uh, you know, for to do well in that top tier. And, um, I, yeah, I, I think that's great. I'm glad to see some good competition and, uh, I hope, I hope they do really well with it. He's definitely a talented you know, guy. I, I, think, I, I think Caesars, when you look at what they have been doing over the last half decade, I mean, they had, the, you know, the Forum Tower was a big improvement over what they had before. Um, Augustus Tower. I love Augustus Tower. It's one of my favorite places to stay. We've stayed there uh, half a dozen times, and whenever I get an option, um, that's my, you know, that's my preferred place. And if you can get a room that overlooks the Bellagio, you know, lake and fountains, that's, you know, all the better. Um, but I think that, um, you know, Octavius Tower um, will be another, presumably, another qualitative improvement. Um, Caesars has, um, you know, they have that problem, the layout of the property, but the elements of the property um, are still pretty damn impressive. Um, you know, the Coliseum, um, you know, I've, I've maintained that it was the um, single um, best enhancement to, a, to an open property, um, you know, since I've been in the market. Um, I think that, that then these, you know, the new towers um, have really revitalized their room product. I mean, I think they can, you know, they can stand up with, you know, everybody that's not... Um, that's not win and encore and maybe you know for some folks you know there will be room product that'll please them as well they've dramatically improved their uh, their pool product um, I think the restaurants are, are pretty damn impressive and they're changing them you know relatively frequently so they can stand up to the you know the wins and Bellagios and MGM Grands and Arias and you know Cosmopolitans the places that have you know good good dining um, and so, you know, you look at Caesar's Palace and, and, and its forum shops, I mean, you know, that unlike some of the other places that have smaller scale, exceptionally high-end only retail, forum shops has sort of a nice blend where, you know, the range of customers who come to a casino, um, you know, everybody isn't a $10,000 a bet or $100,000 a bet player who wants to shop 
you know, at Prada or uh, or, or Louis Vuitton, um, you know, there there are stores in the forum shops that appeal to, you know, the fifty dollar, hundred dollar better or the the dollar slot player, and uh, and and there's and there's also excellent dining in the forum shops as well. Um, it is still a very powerful retail experience, um, and so. You know, I think that they were the first ones when when they first signed Celine Dion. Everybody said, uh, you know, I think a lot of people were like, that is not a casino venue act. And you know, what they've proven is, you know, they have some acts that are casino venue acts. Jerry Seinfeld um, is more of a typical kind of act that would um, appeal to um, some, you know, gamblers and their and their significant others or their uh, less significant others. But uh, but um, <laughs> and uh, um, but the 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 um, Celine Dion element and you know and Beth Midler would have been another one um, you know Elton John probably in the middle Rod Stewart in the middle I don't know as much about how, about their appeal but I but I I think what they said is hey we have this big great venue in the Coliseum. We're going to get people who can fill the venue and not worry as so much about what kind of action they're going to bring to the floor, and I think that's worked for them. I mean, you go into a, into Caesar's Palace on one of the nights that Celine Dion is is there, and you know you see it's they're not traditional casino customers. They're you know women from you know their you know let's say late twenties to sixties, but uh, and and whoever their dates are. Um, it could be a gaggle of, you know, of, of women. It could be a, a woman or, you know, significant other. But, you know, they bring people into the venue. They may, you know, they may go to Mesa Grill or wherever they're going to go to eat. Um, so they're going to spend some money on property. They may even stay at the hotel. Um, I, I, so I, I think that given what they have, um, they've done a fantastic job. I, you know, and so, you know, I give, you know, I know it's very popular um, among some people, some bloggers, to just hate on Gary Loveman. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I've been very impressed, starting with when Park Place Entertainment ran it under Tom Gallagher and then uh, and then Wally Barr. I think there's been a nonstop succession of, uh, by and large, really good moves that have been made there to keep it clinging barely clinging but clinging to the top level of properties when you might expect that it would have been pushed down into uh, the next lower level like unfortunately mirage has been i you know i think you know mirage was the best property in las vegas for a fairly long period of time for a decade um just about um until bellagio opened but but mirage you know despite some new investment new shows like love and you know, some decent investment in, in, in some new shows, admittedly less than Siegfried and Roy, but new entertainment. Mirage has been moved down into the, at, you know, sort of the middle top of the middle tier. Caesars Palace has not. Um, they have invested substantially more, and uh, it shows that what you can do to keep a property from declining precipitously. And so I think people ought to give, you know, that succession of leaders, including um, you know, Satry and Loveman, a lot of credit. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. Um, you know, it, uh, it definitely has a share of problems, but they have creatively 
kept it at the top of people's minds. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't remember where I'm citing this from, but I remember some study saying that it was one of the most recognized individual brands in gaming. That doesn't seem like a surprise to me, um, given its longevity and just it's so iconic, right? Caesar's um, Palace is 45 years old. Right? Yeah. <laughs> 1966. That and Star Trek. Yeah. You know, this this thing is still relevant after after all this time is is a miracle. Yeah. You know, it's only t- the flamingo is only twenty years older, but it's totally different property. Right. No, I think you know they've they have stewarded it well, and they're changing more stuff, and we'll see how the Nobu Seafood Tower goes, and <laughs> we'll see how Gordon Ramsay does, and we'll see how the old homestead does. I guess we don't know if Gordon Ramsay's coming in or not, but anyway, they're changing things up. They continue to change things up. Um, they're stealing top talent away from arguably the top operator in town. You know, that says something. This guy saw, decided he his career was better served by moving to Caesar's Palace. Yeah. Um, and there may be other factors there that we don't know about, but it's it's an interesting data point given nothing else yeah all right i'm gonna try and cram through a few more things here um i'm gonna do a quick little uh recap of an interesting trip i had last week um i started off uh my friend steve fries um i think most listeners know um moved from las vegas to michigan uh via automobile and um I accompanied him on a little tiny part of that trip. Basically, we went from Las Vegas um, up through northern Nevada. I got to see some interesting towns like um, Ely and Jackpot, which were like a total trip. If you love Nevada and if you love casinos and if you have hours and hours of free time, um, <laughs> I would recommend checking these places out because they they are not nearby. You will spend many hours in the car. But um, they are like a total weird retro slice of history. I mean, you even going to like Reno or Carson City or even like North or South Lake Tahoe, that gives you a little bit of this flavor. But this, these places are like Wild Wild West style. I mean, it was a lot of fun. Really, really beautiful trip, especially if you like the desert and you like um, that uh, that whole vibe. I really enjoyed enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, I think in two days I did like 1500 miles of driving, but it was really beautiful and I don't regret it at all. It was a lot of fun. Um, that sort of culminated in a party. Steve had been invited to this party, which was a 90th birthday party for, uh, several gentlemen. Um, but the most notable for folks that listen to this show would be Perry Thomas, who is a Las Vegas sort of banking magnate. I mean, he... His, you know, his bank was one of the first to um, provide capital to casinos, very instrumental in the development of the industry in its earlier days, um, very tied to the Wynn family. I mean, uh, Steve Wynn calls him his adopted father. I mean, they, they have a lot of connections. Roger Thomas's son, is Wynn's head designer. So it... This is a guy that is very tied into Las Vegas and everything about it. So this was his 90th birthday party, and it was held at his um, at his ranch in Sun Valley, Idaho, which is 
I guess, sort of become um, sort of like a, a mini Aspen for Vegas people that like to go skiing and whatever. And I had never been to Sun Valley. It was It's very pretty. We're there, obviously there in the summer, no snow, but um, very pretty place. Um, it uh, I can see why they all like it. It's very sort of rustic. Reminds me of, you know, sort of a Colorado ski town. Anyway, um, this party was massive and it was like it was like 600 people. Very, really very big. And it, it the thing about it is we, we walk in and I'm nervous that I basically know no people there. Right. I know Steve and that's it. Um, and so I was just kind of worried that I would feel uncomfortable and the whole thing would be like, what am I doing here? I'm happy to report that these are like the nicest people in the known universe. And I felt completely at ease and it was actually a lot of fun. Um Elaine Wynn was the hostess of the party, so the very first thing up is, you know, talking to her. And I, I had met her before, but it was nice to actually to be able to say hello, and that was about it. Um, but we move on and get to spend time with a lot of the Thomas folks um, that were, you know, that's a huge family, lots of uh, sons and daughters. Everyone was very friendly. This was like a big shindig. They have, they are... Um, they're big um, horse racing fans, so they have in, at their property uh, a horse that man. I I'm now exposing how little I know about horses and horse racing, but um, you know one of the horses is incredibly very famous. They they were doing some demonstrations of all the magical horse maneuvers that these people can do. Um, anyone that knows anything about horses is probably telling me I'm a total screaming. You're a moron into your headphones right now. But um, <laughs> anyway, it was as someone that knows nothing about any of that stuff. It was actually kind of interesting and impressive. So, you know, we go in and we have our dinner, which was a lot of fun. It was, the governor of Idaho was there. I mean, it was like a it was a big shindig. Um, but it was just, you know, I'm, I felt a very, it was a very surreal experience for me because I'm sitting at this table and literally if I fall over. I'm going to domino into Erwin Malasky, who's going to domino into Elaine Wynn and knock them all out. And like Roger Thomas is sitting across the table. It was just very surreal. But at the same time, I was surprised because I don't know any of these people and they don't know me. And like I met them for two seconds and they've probably forgot my name the next moment. Right. But they were still incredibly friendly. It was a lot of fun. It was a very moving tribute to these four guys that were all turning 90 um, Perry and his three friends, they're all turning 90 they, and looking at what they had experienced in their lives from the Great Depression to World War II, um, you know, all the way through everything that's happened since then. It was pretty amazing. Um, and, it, you know, the general vibe of the whole event was just um, sort of celebration of accomplishment. All of all of them have had incredible business careers. And it, the whole event was just a lot of fun. I felt really honored to be a part of it, even though I didn't really belong there. Um, <laughs> it, it was great, and I—I I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to ramble on about uh, about about it too much longer. But I, I just—it was a lot of fun. And since since Perry is an interesting character that has a lot to do with Las Vegas, I thought uh, that peop, the listeners might be interested in a little bit of uh of the back and forth there but yeah it was it was great it was great fun i i felt lucky to be there and um yeah it was it was a beautiful spot so i rec anybody that's in the, in the casinos if you uh have some time and want to go check out some of these places in, in the northern part of the state and sort of the uh northeastern corner it, it was it was a really interesting spot i definitely would recommend it so that's my sort of brief uh brief recap of that event and 
I want to try and we're, we're way long, but I'm going to squeeze in one more thing because I can. Um, which is, and I think we can probably do this pretty quickly because I don't know how how much debate there will be. I did a post um, which has had more comments on it than I sort of expected, and actually I'm curious to hear from Chuck on this one because I think as a as a non-local, um, I'm I'm curious what his thoughts are. I basically wrote a post saying that you know since the building boom is over for a long time, I've had reason to stay in a lot of different places. You know whether it was the brand new place or I just wanted to try different stuff. But at this point. I've stayed all over. I have a pretty good feeling of what the different properties have to offer. And I thought, hey, you know, it might be fun to experience Las Vegas as a lot of its regular visitors experience it. Experience it. And by that, I mean they stay at the same hotel every time. They have a casino host that takes good care of them. They know the guy at the bar that they go up to. I mean, they build relationships with the hotels that they go to and stay in. And that's a big part of why they like to come back because they know that Bob at the Eastside Bar is going to give them a great cocktail. They know that their host Sharon is going to hook them up. They know that you know their favorite dealer Steve at the blackjack table is going to you know <laughs> make them laugh the whole night as they're playing their hands. And it's those kinds of relationships that make them come back again and again and again. And I I res- sort of describe myself as Vegas homeless because I don't have any of those relationships. I mean, yes, I've stayed in different places more than others and I've sort of made some connections with some of those people, but not last when I compare myself to some of my friends, some of the listeners of the show that I've talked to, co-hosts of other shows I've talked to, they have built real relationships with some of the service people that work in the industry, and I don't have any of that and I'm I'm feeling like maybe I'm missing something. I'd like to experience that a little bit. And I'm, you know, I got a lot of comments on this. Basically, I kind of ran down some of the places that I've stayed and where, why or why not. I'm not sure if they make a good sort of home base for me. Um, I got a lot of comments from different people, obviously expressing different opinions about what they liked and what they didn't like. But I'm, you know, Chuck, I'm, I haven't asked you this. I'm sort of putting you on the spot, but I'm curious, how do you feel about this? Because I think you're in the same position that I'm in, where you go all over the place. You don't really, you know, you try what's new. You try what you what you want to write about versus you put that ahead of your own. Like I want to have a good time. I always have a good time, Hunter. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think uh, I understand what you're, what you're saying, and I think I was wrestling with, with similar issues like this uh, a couple of years ago. When I first started going to town, I, I used to go to the Hilton all the time, and then I started going to the Imperial Palace, and that felt like home. I liked that place. It was great. It was great because it was cheap, and I was dirt poor. Struggling musician, just kind of trying to make my way, but I still like to go to town. You know, and that always felt like home. And then the Flamingo felt like home for a couple of years, and I maybe went back four or five times in a row. And then Encore, Win Win felt like home for a while. And now I don't feel like any of these places feel like home anymore. And, I, and I'm almost, I feel homeless not because, because I don't, pick a place and keep going to it, but because I'm starting to move out of the demographic age that they market towards. Mm. I'm, four, I'm 42 years old, you know, I'm, I'm little by little, they don't really give a crap about me, you know, about the stuff that I'm kind of into in my life. Like maybe the link does, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not an uncer. I don't really like super loud dance music and all that kind of stuff. And, and hipster rock and roll is a little young for me, but, you know, 
that's how I feel Vegas homeless. So it's a completely different thing. But I, I agree with you. I, I'm not really one who who does that though because of the reasons that that you mentioned. I like to I like to to do different things. If I kept going to the same place and every time I'd be like, you know, the VT Review 2010, <laughs> the Flamingo. Right. The VT Review 2011 of the Flamingo. Wouldn't you know, make after, for a very good story. Right. After two, you know, after two reviews of Win, people started, you know, calling us names and right. saying we're, you know, on the shill pocket for them. So, right. but uh, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe my, maybe my feeling is sort of misplaced. I, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm missing something. I guess it's sort of the root. Of where that came from, I feel like I hear these other people tell these wonderful, amazingly fun stories about how they, you know, see these people that take great care of them every time, and I'm like, man, I go here like ten times more than you, and no one gives a shit about me at all. Yeah. Um, which just doesn't—I don't know. I just, maybe maybe it's irrational, but uh, there was something about it that made me just feel like I was missing missing a piece of that that other people were getting. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't, J- Jeff or Dave, I don't know. I mean, you guys are obviously both live in Las Vegas. I don't know if you have any comments on that. I mean, I know you probably interact with tourists all the time, but, um, you know, feel free to add anything if you've got anything to say. Dave, did you want to answer that? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that means I do. Yeah, it, it's interesting because I think part of it might be also you guys have been coming to town for so long, you don't have that kind of new infatuation going on so it's more you notice stuff a lot better I think probably the first time people remember stuff it's a much it's a really big deal so I mean maybe that's part of it but it it is pretty tough and yeah I mean there's nobody people always want me to hook them up with all kinds of things around town I'm like you know that's not really the way the city works anymore (laughs) you know I can't just make a call and get you into Celine or whoever right it's like Go on the website. Don't get me <laughs> so, started with that, man. Oh, can you get me a free hotel room? Yeah, or <laughs> not even that. Like, well, can you get me this and that and that? It's like, well, no, I can't get that for myself, and that's not what we can do. So, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. And I have I love reading all the responses to your article, too. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I, I got more responses oh, than I thought. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, I was going to say, I think that, you know, there's a range of responses to your uh, – to your post, um, Hunter. And, you know, what's funny is for all those people, they're, they're all valid. And for many different reasons, it's because the people who come to Las Vegas come for so many different reasons. And, um, you know, they have so many different styles of visit. And I think that, you know, for the person, you know, so many people, I mean, when you think about this market and what differentiates it from, you know, a resort market differentiated from, you know, sort of a, a bus in, drive in, you know, visit frequently market like Macau or like Atlantic City, um, where people tend to go for the day or for a couple days at max. Um, you know, Vegas is much different. Um, people come for longer visits typically, come much less frequently. Um, and, you know, so now, you know, but some of the people on your site are people who come very frequently. Um, Southern Californians, Arizonans, Utahns can can do that, um, and, uh, you know, or people who just, you know, are relatively affluent and uh, love to, you know, what Las Vegas has to offer can come frequently, but I think that, you know, as a local, I have, you know, almost all locals in Las Vegas have a, have a home casino that they, if they gamble or, 
um, if they like to uh, eat out, or they'll have, or maybe they have a couple if they live, you know, sort of, uh, you know, with a couple ones close. And for locals, it's generally based on, you know, the nearest decent place or nice place that's, you know, relatively close to them. Um, you know, for me, at Sunset Station, and then like a little bit, you know, farther away would be Green Valley Ranch, um, and uh, you know, and then you know the the South Point um, would probably be my most distant locals casino that I go to. But um, you know, I do go to locals casinos probably more than than uh, tourist casinos. But for for people visiting town, you know, some people who are more gambling focused, you know, you know, say, hey. You know, if you if you di- disperse your visits, you don't get as much bang for your buck. And I think if you don't stay at a chain that sort of aggregates your play, like Caesars, um, you know, MGM was horrible at this because I tended to play when I played on the Strip um, at the MGM properties more than I did the Caesars properties. And up until they introduced uh, M Life or as uh, some of you guys like to call it on your sites, the MILF card, but, um, <laughs> the, M, the M-Life card. Um, I, you know, maybe that will change the way that they perceive your play and market to you and send you, you know, direct mail and email offers. I, I have yet to uh, figure that out. I know that, you know, I, I've, I went a couple times to visit Beau Rivage the year it opened in 1999 and I still get big free play offers. And, you know, I mean, I wasn't a big gambler there either. I probably dropped 500 bucks and, you know, 800 bucks in two different trips. And, uh, I get very generous offers from Beau Rivage to this day, (laughs) um, you know, free hotels and, you know, so who knows how that system works. There's other places here in town that I've, you know, done much more substantial play at, that I get no offers from. So I think that, you know, I still think a lot of their marketing and their, you know, their, their database and the way they uh, figure play um, leaves a lot to be desired. But I understand, you know, some people want that. They want the best offer that they can get, and it's more important that they be able to come to Las Vegas and play than any one hotel. So they want to figure out how do they maximize their offers, whether it's free rooms, frequency of visits, you know, Free, you know, free chips, free slot play, whatever they're going to get free, you know, F and B, whatever it is. Um, and for those people, it probably does help to target a property and play there, um, or at least a company. Um, for other people, um, and I think that you know what, you know, Hunter, you and Chuck have professional reasons for doing that, but I have a feeling that you also enjoy being able to check different things out. I think there are a lot of people who visit Las Vegas who are like that. You know, they're like, I can't wait to see the new thing, and it's always driven Las Vegas tourism over the last few decades. People want to see what's new, experience it, go to new restaurants, go to new, um, you know, play in a different casino. Um, So people like that may be less interested in, you know, maximizing gambling offers, um, but are more interested in you know, a range of um, experiences and hopefully new experiences. So I really love the the topic. Um, I don't think there's a right answer for everyone, but I think that based on what people want to do, there's a right answer for them. And for some of those people, I think, you know, they may be doing it wrong for what they'd really like. And so that's what I really enjoyed about the post is that I think there's a wealth of information there 
for people who can maybe learn something and say, you know what, maybe I should do that. Um, so, you know, I think that it's, uh, it's an issue that was uh, very timely and uh, a good thing for people to check out. Well, I, I think that's a good place to leave it. I think from there, we'll, uh, we'll just roll into our uh, Sure Bets segment, which is these are um, a recommendation that we have for you guys, the audience, that we think that you might um, get some use out of. Whether It doesn't have to be casino-related, though it certainly can be. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go around the table and um, share, uh, share some ideas with you guys. Uh, Jeff, do you have something for us today? Well, you know, you you know, you stole a little bit of my thunder, Hunter. Uh um, But it's fine. Um, My uh, girlfriend and her sister and I, a couple weeks ago, um, on a uh, sort of a lazy Sunday. um, Not that any other day is uh, isn't lazy for me, but um, (laughs) on a lazy Sunday, we uh, decided to take a drive up uh, US 93, and we went to some of those very through some of those very towns you mentioned, um, Caliente, uh, mm, yes, I went there. Yep, I'm um, with her too. And the road to Ely, and I and I just think I, my, so. My sure bet is to you know for people who come to town and have a rental car and they drive their own car from Southern California, especially if they get you know like a free hotel offer and they you know they have you know four nights or three nights and you know they you know sometimes. You know, Las Vegas during the day, um, you know, there are great things closer to town. There's the Valley of Fire, there's the Hoover Dam, there's Red Rock. Um, and then, But a little further away, you know, you do have Laughlin, you have the Grand Canyon, and you have this, um, you have Mesquite. And there's there are things that you can do um, that aren't right in the city that I think are very, uh, that, are, that are really awesome. And, the, and those towns, um, you know, Caliente, um, back a um, hundred years ago, um, when uh, the uh, Union Pacific Railroad took out the, you know, it's still Las Vegas, you know, started as a watering and maintenance station for the Union Pacific Railroad, but um, in the middle of some Union labor strife, they took out the um, maintenance facility in Las Vegas. It remained a watering station for the railroad, but you know, removed a lot of the workers. And maintenance was done up in Caliente. And so for a period of time uh, be- between then and when uh, the Hoover Dam construction started, Caliente was, you know, a bigger outpost than Las Vegas. Um, you know, it's hard to believe it now, but uh, it's a very cool little town. Um, and the same thing is true for, for Pioch, an, an incredible mining town. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there's... Um, there's just some, you know, some really good sightseeing, some yeah. great photography, um, some remnants of the mining days that are, that are still there. Um, and I think that, you know, for people who like that kind of stuff, um, get out of town. You know, come <laughs> visit Las Vegas and have fun at night. You can do a trip up from, you know, from here to uh, Caliente and Pioch, have lunch up there and make it back. It's probably like a, you know, seven, eight-hour you know, trip both ways, driving slow, checking things out on the road. Um, you'll be surprised by how much green there's, you know, yeah. a little bit of water on it's the true. way. Um, I was it's, just kind of shocked. It's a really, really pretty trip. Um, not every bit, part of it is pretty, but a lot of it is. And uh, I think that, you know, Las Vegas has, you know, a lot to offer in the more distant uh, 
periphery as well. So that's my sure bet. It was funny. There was a general store in Pioche where they had two benches on the other side of the front door. And one side said Democrats and the other side said Republicans. So they were definitely <laughs> separating them so they wouldn't sit next to each other. Um, yeah, no, I agree. That was That's a great one. Uh, Charles S. Monster, how about you? My sure bet is the Vegas Internet Mafia Family Picnic, which is coming October 22nd. It is going to be a laugh riot of extreme proportions. Uh, Dave's going to wear a bikini. Uh, Hunter's going to wear nothing. No. And... And Jeff and I are going to arm wrestle at some point. So it's going to be outrageously fun. And we want all of our friends that we know and don't know, particularly if we've never met you, come to the show, you know, and come talk to us. Come say hello so we can get to meet some of the folks because we don't really get to meet you all that much. So come to the event. It's going to be fun. And it's free. Yes. No, that's a great one. Here, here. I totally agree. Totally agree. It's going to be great. Uh, Dr. Dave, what about you? I'm going to go off the map a little bit, maybe not as far as Pioche or Caliente, but if people want to get off the strip a little bit and have a pretty nice burger, there's a place called Bocce Burger on Windmill, a little bit east of the strip that's pretty cool. It's something that the folks from L.A. probably have already done to death, kind of the Asian-inspired burger place, but they do it really well. They're super nice and... uh, just a really cool place. Had had some great burgers there, and they've got cool pickles, too. So can't really go wrong with those. Yeah, you know, um, when Mike Dubransky was doing his Tasting Las Vegas podcast, he actually uh, mentioned them a few times. He was a big fan. Um, I have never been, but it sounded tasty. Um, so, yeah, good to get another vote. Yeah, you know, um, I, I was intrigued by it, looked at Yelp, and there were some negative reviews. I was a little bit put off with them. One of my friends who has forgotten more about food and beverage than I will ever know, like says that he goes there all the time. So I'm like, well, check it out. And yeah, it was really good. I, I really liked it. Excellent. And where is it? It's on Windmill, a little bit east of the Strip. So if you just go down Windmill, I can try to get you an address right now. Oh, it's okay. I can it put it in the show notes. 470 East Windmill. Okay. Pretty cool. And Excellent. Windmill is the one that if you took it all, it crosses the strip where um, it, Blue Diamond. It, it becomes Blue Diamond yeah. and the Silverton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my sure bet is if you have ever seen Back to the Future Part 2, um, Marty McFly wears these pretty, pretty awesome um, Nikes in the future um, that have uh, all kinds of light-up doodads and whatever. And it turns out that Nike is actually making a special run of these Air Mag shoes that they're going to be auctioning off starting tonight for the uh, Michael J. Fox uh, Parkinson's Foundation. Um, So if you ever wanted to have the shoes from Back to the Future Part 2 that they have in the future version of Hill Valley, uh, this is your chance. I think it's pretty limited and... um, you know, I assume they're going to be uber expensive, but it's, uh, I don't know, it's pretty funny because I remember for years after that movie, you know, uh, I was, a, you know, I think maybe 10 or 12 when that movie came out. And um, the hoverboard was obviously the big thing that everybody wanted in that movie, right? The hoverboards. And there was like this really ridiculous urban legend that like actually they had made some, but they weren't releasing them because they were too dangerous, which is obviously clearly ridiculous. Um, uh, physics uh, be damned. But um 
Yeah, no, you can get your own um, Back to the Future style Nike Power Laces shoes starting tonight. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes. This is more novelty item than anything else, but I still thought it was a very funny story. So that is my sort of not so sure bet for this episode. All right. Um, that is it for today. Thanks to everybody for being here. Let me go around the table so you can tell people where they can find you. Dr. Dave, where can people find you? They can find me at dgschwartz.com. Charles S. Monster Esquire, how about you? People can find me in a safe <laughs> in the back <laughs> of the old bills in Reno. <laughs> yes. Is that Reno or Tahoe? Tahoe. Tahoe. Yes, the old Bills in Tahoe. <laughs> All right. Mr. Jeff Simpson, where can people track you down? People can track me down on uh, Twitter at Simpson Las Vegas and on the uh, on Hunter's Rate Vegas blog, 2A Hard 3. Excellent. Uh, you can find me at ratevegas.com. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. <laughs> <laughs>